0: are listening to the life community church sermon podcast life community is a church for the city making much about the name of christ this podcast is available through all major platforms including spotify apple podcast and google podcast if you enjoy and are challenged by our teaching we invite you to subscribe to the channel on whatever platform you choose as we seek to anchor ourselves to the unchanging truth of god's word together thanks for listening should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was one of the house and family line of David to be registered along with Mary who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room, there was no guest room available for them. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a savior was born for you. Who is the messiah the lord this will be a sign for you you will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger suddenly there was a suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising god and saying glory to god in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors when the angels had left them and returned to heaven the shepherds said to one another let's go straight to bethlehem and see what has happened which the lord has made known to us they hurried off and found both mary and joseph and the baby who is lying in the manger after saying them they reported the message they were told about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them but mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all, the, for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Amen. Can we give our readers, our kids, a round of applause? You guys are really close. There's normally nobody in that row normally. Hey, would you pray with me? Uh, Father, we come before you tonight uh, with loads of things on our mind and lots of things to do. And we just ask that your peace would just invade this space. And Lord, that we would just take a moment uh, to even just let, for a brief time, our hearts be open and remembering what we're here to gather to celebrate. And so God, be with these words, be with your word. Let it be sufficient for our hearts. Bring conviction, bring hope, bring joy. And we pray this in the name of our great Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, good evening to everybody and Merry Christmas to you and your families. It's great to have everybody gathered in here, all kids, all different ranges, what could go wrong. We'll just go with it. It'll be a fun night. Uh, this is our sort of our last week, uh, not last week, but it's the last day in Advent because tomorrow's Christmas. Uh, we've walked through uh, four weeks of just looking forward to the return of Christ by looking backwards at the coming of Christ. Um, And so we are going to talk about hope tonight, and we're going to do that by looking at an unfamiliar Christmas passage in Romans 5. So if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to join us. We're going to be in Romans 5, but we'll also have it on the screen uh, that you guys can read along as well. Let's read this together. Romans 5, starting in verse 1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, tonight, probably more than any other time in the year, we feel hopeful. On the eve of this day to come tomorrow, where we celebrate the coming of Christ, God descending into his creation, descending into the world, descending into our mess, descending into our chaos and our violence and our shame, there can be a sensible, a tangible sense of joy and hope Sincere love and joy and peace that radiates from that one word, hope. Hope. Not a a wishful thinking as we might put hope to be, but as one commentator writes, a happy certainty. Hope that really alters our our present existence. And I think it's worth our time this evening to kind of understand the difference between those two definitions. You know, there's a story of a small town that was about ready to be flooded because a large lake was going to be dammed up and make a, a larger lake. And in the months before that, dammed, that lake was dammed, all the improvements of that town stopped and halted. What was the use of painting any buildings if you're going to be flooded in six months? Or what was the use in repairing this or that when your house was going to be wiped out? So month after month, week after week, the whole town became more and more disordered, more and more disheveled, more and more desolate. And right before the town was flooded, one of the townspeople said this. He said, where is there, there is no hope in the future. There's no power in the present. Hope has this propulsion to it. Hope sort of sends us forward into the unknown with a belief that there's improvement, there's contentment, there's peace. Hope is in the background of all the mundanes and the tragedies and the delights of our life. Hope, hope is the desire that often keeps us living. Hope is required for living. We hope, we need it. We yearn for it. We long for it. And because we desire it so much, it often becomes the pursuit that keeps us in bondage, that keeps us in shame, that keeps consistently making a fool of us. And you may say, well, geez, you, Steve, you're not so hopeful about hope tonight. That's weird. I, I am hopeful. But I want us to hear in this passage the truth that Paul wants to bring to us in the book of Romans. Where he reminds us that our faithfulness, those who are faithful, suffering can produce endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And then he says this really intriguing phrase. He says, hope does not put us to shame. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that was given to us. Hope does not put us to shame. Hope does not disappoint. But yet, I've, I think for many of us in this room, we bear the scars of what feels like a hope that did disappoint, a hope that did put us in shame. And so, if we're honest, we might hear Paul say this and we say, I don't believe you. What kind of hope are you talking about? Because I certainly feel shameful. Is this the hope that Paul talks about? You may think about this. From the moment of birth, <laughs> from the moment of birth, there's always been the next great hope that's going to fix my life. You know, when I was in a kid, and many of the kids are sitting in here tonight thinking about Christmas Day. I remember thinking to Christmas Day with great hope that I was going to get all the toys that I ever really wanted, and I was going to be satisfied in them, I was going to get all these toys, all the G.I. Joe's I've always wanted were finally going to be here and it was going to be great and I was going to be satisfied. But here's what happens. I didn't play with a lot of them. And three hours after Christmas, I was sort of done. I was playing with a box. And then I got into school, right? You Get going through school and you get into high school and it's like, oh, here's what's I hope. If she could just like me, right, if she could just look my way. If she would be my girlfriend, then everything would be set right. And then you get in high school and then you're just like, if I could just get through school, right? If I could just get past this, if I get into college, that's where I'm gonna settle in. That's where I'm gonna feel right. And so I just gotta get over it. And then you get into college and you just say, man, I hope, I hope I just get through this class. I hope I just get through this year. I hope that I can just get to graduation. I hope I just want to get into my job. And then you get your job and it's like, oh, well, I hope I get a promotion. Right? And then you get in life and you just think, oh, I need to get married. I hope that marriage will be what makes me right. Marriage is going to fix everything in me. Marriage is going to make me complete. And it doesn't. And then you go, oh, kids. 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 (laughs) And you think, this this is my hope. This is what's going to make me right. This is what's going to bring wholeness. And then it just keeps moving. We are a people with great hopes. You know, the other day, my daughter both of them came home with these plastic charm necklaces that my mom and dad gave them that my sister wore when she was a kid. They're just this plastic chain with charms of different symbols and pictures that represent certain things. And I just found that that picture of a charm bracelet in some way describes us. Are we just a people that are collecting and hoarding various hopes that failed us? Aren't we just a people who have the scars that we hold on to of past desires that we were hopeful would give us peace? The scars of failed relationships and the scars of failed marriages even. Aren't we a little like a charm bracelet where we're chained to all the failed hopes from our past? And so how can Paul say, hope doesn't put us to shame? How can he say, that in light of everything I hope for, seemingly has. That in fact, all of the things that I've hoped for have probably increased my hopelessness. It probably won't surprise many of you who are here today that the answer to our hope problem is in the one who came to earth and lay in Bethlehem. Would you turn with me to Psalm 33? If you can, it'll be on the screen. I'm going to start in verse 13. It says this, The Lord looks down from heaven. He observes everyone. He gazes on all the inhabitants of the earth from his dwelling place. He forms the heart of them all. He considers all their works. A king is not saved by a large army. A warrior will not be rescued by his great strength. The horse is a false hope for safety. It provides no escape by its great power but look, the Lord keeps his eyes on those who fear him. Those who depend on his faithful love to rescue them from death and to keep them alive in famine. We wait for the Lord. He is our help and shield for our hearts rejoice in him because we trust in his holy name. May your faithful love rest on us, Lord, for we put our hope in you. It's been our custom in this series to as we look at the arrival of Christ to refresh in our hope for his return, that we look through a psalm. And so we're looking through Psalm 33 today that's often prescribed in authorship to King David. And David, doesn't David just has a way of speaking towards us in our lament? Like David just has a language that speaks for our hearts. David can put words to my feelings. Psalms just do that. And Psalm 33 richly displays this idea of a hope that is well-placed. And so David gives us this picture of God looking out over the world, sitting over his throne, ruling and reigning over his creation, and his eye catches the foolishness of man. He noticed the king that puts his great hope in his armies, and the warrior who puts his hope in his strength, and the horse, which would be a symbol of the most technologically advanced war machine of the time. God sees men and women putting their hope in them as foolish, hope in that power. Everywhere that God looks, it seems that David writes, God looks at a humanity that is putting their trust and hopes in things that will ultimately fail them. David gives us a picture of a humanity that's blinded by its own knowledge and its own effort to really, really ever fully understand the lack of their capabilities, the lack of their power, the lack of wisdom, and the lack of strength. It's as if humanity is blinded over and over and over again and pins its hopes on the next great thing that this will be finally what settles me. This will be what brings wholeness and peace. This will be what shows my rightness. And in light of these words from David, might we think back to the charm bracelet life of failed hopes? where we carry all these scars of lost hopes that put us to shame, that disappointed, that the next great thing And can we be so honest to consider what the common denominator is in all of those hopes? All of those hopes have a common thread. The only thing that is consistent in my failed attempts to find true hope is me. It's us. It's we. We are the center of our failed attempts for hope. We are the source of our failed attempts for hope. And so can I, as as gently as I can push these words from David onto us, that we could hear the words of David that says, it's foolish. It's madness. The reason why all your hope has proved to be hopeless is because you were in it. And that is the good news that we're here for tonight. That is the reason why we celebrate. Our celebration has everything to do with our inability. David continues in this song. He says, but look, the Lord keeps his eye on those who fear him, those who depend on his faithful love to rescue them from death and to keep them alive in famine. We wait for the Lord. He is our help and shield For our hearts rejoice in him because we trust in his holy name. May your faithful love rest on us, Lord, for we put our hope in you. David says, look, you could could write it as, as, now hear me, listen to me. None of those great things are going to work. None of those armies are going to hold. None of that strength is going to be able to sustain you. Don't put your hope in your leadership. Don't put your hope in your title. Don't put your hope in your position. Don't put your hope in your charm. None of those things last. Here's what David says But fear the Lord, rest in his faithful love, wait on his provision, trust in his name. You see, hope does not put us to shame. Hope does not put us to shame but what we put hope in does what we put hope in does and the tapestry of our lives have shown us time and time again that i'm really good at being hopeful but i'm terrible at finding it and so we consistently find ourselves in a place where things didn't go the way we wanted them to go, they didn't turn out like we hoped they would turn out, nor did they bring the type of satisfaction that we wanted them to bring. Our hope turns to hopelessness. And so, as hear me, as appalling as this may sound to you, I want you to know that hopelessness, that our inability to find real hope, is actually a grace from God. It is His grace, as terrible as it sounds hopelessness is for our good. It is a grace from God because your hopelessness is the only place that true hope births from. G.K. Chesterton, who's a pastor, he wrote this long ago. He said, hope means hoping when things are hopeless or it's no virtue at all. As long as matters are really hopeful, hope is mere flattery or platitude. It is only when everything is hopeless that hope begins to be a strength. Hopelessness is a condition of a soul that is so still and quiet that it can hear the cries of its own brokenness. When we once again take the fleeting nature of a hope that didn't meet us or come to us the way we want it to, we are confronted with our own inability and in that we sense our true nature. Hopelessness puts us face-to-face with our own inability, our own lack of control, our pride, and it is a grace from God that we taste that. Because it's only then that we realize how utterly hopeless we are. Our hopelessness is the reason we are here tonight. It is the reason for presence, It's the reason for joy. It's the reason for celebration. It's the reason for singing because it was in our hopelessness that God spurred by his love and his benevolence to descend into creation and do for us what we could not, to make us whole, to bring us joy, to give us peace. The Christ child in Bethlehem reminds us that we were once so far from God, so unable to fix what is wrong with us, to find real hope that God did it for us, that he loved creation enough to do it for them. Hope does not put us to shame because it's not about wishful thinking. It's not about the next great thing. Hope does not put us to shame if we put our trust in the person of hope in Jesus Christ, the hope of creation. That is a hope that does not put us to shame because his love was poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that was given to us. So the simple message of Christmas is that the love of God was poured out onto an unwilling creation, a creation that was at war, that were foolish in their own pride and rightness, blinded by their own petty pleasures. And the invite of Christmas is for humanity to make room, to make room, to not be as the innkeeper who had no room for the Savior, but for us to make room for what really matters, that which really lasts, that which all hope is found in a Savior who came overflowing with peace and grace for his creation, that we might just lay down our swords, lay down our pride, put down our warfare, that we would see the folly of an attaching our hope to our roles, our abilities, our capabilities, our other people, and our titles. That we would sense our own deep need for wholeness and our our insurmountable hopelessness that we might make room for a God that begs us to die. A God in whom all our hopes can be found. Hope is what caused the shepherd to leave his field and to find the Savior. Hope is what caused the magi to journey so far to see the Christ. Hope is what brings us to Christ and when we come to Christ let us be as the magi let us be as the shepherd what god demands of us is not what we bring to him it's not a gift it's not what we can say it's not what we can do it's simply that we come in a door that we would come in a door a god that came into our mess into our violence into our sh- shame and said i'm enough And that we rest in his grace. And that we realize that the only thing I need to be is his. That is the hope of Christmas. It's a hope that's outside of me. It's a hope that I can't earn. It's a hope that I can't myself fix or find. That is why we gather tonight. That is what we rest in. That is what we find joy in. Let's pray. Father, we just come for you tonight as a people who are hope seekers. And we have pursued hope in every avenue that has been presented to us. And Lord, if we're honest, we know that none of that has been satisfying. So tonight, Lord, I just beg that you would help us to see that it is the grace of hopelessness that brings us true hope, that we would see that the answer for what's plaguing us is not within ourselves. It came as a child in Bethlehem. and So spur our hearts, Lord, refresh our joy as we consider and celebrate the coming of our King. We pray this boldly in the name of Christ, our Lord. Amen.